Mark, how we doing? Come on. So pumped to be with you today. So excited uh, just to, to get to share some of the things I've learned from God's Word with you. Uh, I want to start by introducing you to someone. Uh, someone that stumbled into this place 16 years ago, hungover, smelling like smoke, sitting on the back row. And uh, so it's this guy right here. It's the one to the far left. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust that guy. Uh, he's a lot of things. He is a lot of things in that moment in life, but one thing he certainly was not was a pastor. In fact, I'll go one more just for fun. There you go. If you're gonna if you're gonna ride a motorcycle, wear flip flops. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. And so you think about just coming into this place, mind blown. We met at a high school at the time, Lake Highlands, and there was so much off in my life. So many addictions, uh, materialism, kind of everything wrong with Dallas and a person, and just wrestling with this idea of who is God. And 16 years later, last weekend, I find myself in a green room, in a church, in Waco, with my community group and my family, and we're circled up with our children and we're praying as the congregation is voting, determining if they want me to be their lead pastor or not. And it's like, how did we get here, you know? And someone came up and said, hey, where did you go to seminary? And I welled up with pride. Not to say that I haven't. But to say that I've been to the best seminary that humbly I believe is on the planet earth. The most incredible education that one could receive over the past 12 years. I've learned from you guys. I've learned from leaders here. I'm so incredibly thankful for you. It has been an unbelievable privilege to serve in a number of roles here, last of which is the campus pastor of this place. As I look out there, I just see people that I love and I care, people that are, are near to my heart. And so this is the seminary that I've been to. And so that's what I want to share with you today is nine things I've learned while serving Jesus here at Watermark. Nine things I've learned while serving Jesus here at Watermark. Certainly not an exhaustive list. But I want you to know that we're going to miss this church greatly. Tremendously, in so many ways, it has felt like the past several weeks, like our hearts are being ripped out. I, as the leader of our family, are ripping our hearts away from this place. But before I go, I want to teach you the lessons I've learned over the past 12 years that you don't have to come on staff for 12 years to learn these lessons. All you need to do for the next few minutes is open your heart and mind. I pray that you would write them down, both the points, the ideas, as well as the corresponding uh, scriptures that go with them. I want you to know that, that Todd is about to do a series that I'm really excited about for you guys to hear that will expound on many of these ideas, a series called How He Built This. But today, I want to share with you the things that I've learned over the last 12 years being here on staff. Some of them are going to be wisdom principles. Some of them are going to be in command form. There'll be nine of them. And the first one is this. Number one, walk in the light. Walk in the light. There are some of you that came in here today with things that you think you're going to take to the grave. 
things that you, you don't have any plans to tell anyone. You say, that's an aspect of my life that I'm going to continue to hide from people. And I understand that because I was that person as I sat on that back row. And I have found such incredible freedom. As, I, as I've seen the leadership here say, hey, there's nothing in my life that I'm afraid to be found out. See, I was that guy when I came to this place that I might answer the phone in a different voice, not knowing who it was. Was it an ex-girlfriend or an ex-girlfriend's boyfriend? And I just found such freedom. So much so that through this transition, someone had written an anonymous letter about me with some accusations. Bringing accusations against me and and they, they wrote it to some of the congregation there at Harris Creek, the church we're going to. And appropriately, they called. And I immediately put my phone on speaker. I called my wife over. I said, hey, I want you to hear this. When they finished reading the letter, I just said, hey, I want you to know that's not true. Thank you for coming to me. And you're welcome to explore or inspect any avenue of my life. Anyone who knows me, you're welcome to look at my phone, my computer, my search history, my email, anything you need to know. And at that moment, I just thought, man, what has God done over the past 12 years to, to get to this place of freedom? It's such a beautiful place that in our lives, because of what we learned in this church, there are people close to us who know what we make, what we give, what we spend, what we care about. Everything. There's nothing to hide. So walk in the light. Walk in the light. 1 John 1, verses 7 through 9 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You don't need to hide any longer. You can walk in the light and find the same freedom that I have. The second thing that I've learned while serving Jesus here at Watermark is to avail yourself to the work of God. Avail yourself to the work of God. As Todd has said a number of times, I believe that God is going to do something amazing today. And I pray that he would see us as so faithful that he might choose to use us. I believe God is going to do something incredible today and I pray that our hearts would be so fully devoted to him that he might choose to do that amazing work through us. It comes from 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9 where the eyes of the Lord go to and fro ranging throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Through this transition, I've been sad I've been excited, and I've been scared. And in a low moment the other day, I'm sitting on the couch, and my nine-year-old daughter is on the other couch, and I'm staring off into space as I'm just feeding my fears and becoming overwhelmed at the idea of being in a new city with new schools and a new community and, and not knowing a lot of people and just all of those things, a new church, and anticipating the problems and my daughter sensed the tension in the room from my thoughts and she just says, Daddy, how are you feeling? 
I said, honestly, really, really scared. Which is kind of funny looking back on it because it's Waco. It's not Afghanistan, you know. I'm just like, <laughs> but, but really, really scared. And then there's just another couple minutes of silence. I thought she had moved on to the next thing, and she breaks the minutes of silence. She says, Daddy, I just don't get it. I said, what? What don't you understand? And she said, I mean, if God is with you, and Mommy is with you, (laughs) and Presley and Weston and I'm with you, what do you have to be scared about? The words of a nine-year-old. And she could have stopped if God is with you. If God is for us, who can be against us? Like if God is doing something, he's moving us, and we walk in obedience, then what do we have to be afraid of? As you avail yourself to the work of God and you walk in the light, right? What I've seen God do, I've seen him take girls who had abortions and create ministries to girls who had abortions. I've, had, I've seen parents with prodigals become pastors to parents with prodigals. I've seen sexual abusers become Christ's ambassadors. I've seen the same sex attracted remain single and serve for the sake of the kingdom. I've seen drug addicts become recovery advocates. And I've seen pornographers become pastors as we avail ourselves to the work of God. It's just what he does. And so God is going to do something amazing today. I'm 100% completely convinced that the best days of Watermark Community Church are ahead of us. He's going to do something incredible, and I pray that our hearts are so fully available to him that he would continue to use us. The next thing that I've learned while serving Jesus here at Watermark is that the Bible is our blueprint. Number three, the Bible is our blueprint. See, whatever God wants to build in your life and in this church, the instructions are right here. When I I came to Lake Highlands, when I came to Watermark, we met at a high school in Lake Highlands at the time. I heard Todd stand up here and courageously say, hey guys, we're just going to do what this book says. No matter how difficult it is, no matter what the world says, no matter the accusations they bring against us, we're just going to do what this book says. And, and as someone who has called themselves a Christian my entire life, I never really took time to know what it says. But it's really our blueprint Like it kind of defines what we should do and gives our lives boundaries in the instruction that it presents. And so the first thing that I did with my staff there in Waco, because people, they they say things, I think, to encourage you. Man, you're going to go there. That church is going to blow up. It's going to grow. It's going to be big. And I just told them, I said, hey, I want you to know, I don't care if we're ever big. The crosshairs for me, the goal is not to be big, it's to be biblical. And the reason I say that is because I'm a parrot. I just repeat what I hear great leaders say. And the reason that I repeat what I hear a great leader says is because he's repeating what he's heard a greater leader say. 
or at least what his word says. And so we can just repeat that and go on and on. As we've said many times, there is no watermark way. There's God's way as it's revealed through his word. Because 2 Timothy 3 verse 16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We're going to be firm where the Bible is firm and flexible where it is flexible. The next thing I learned while serving Jesus here at Watermark. Number four is every conflict is an opportunity. Every conflict is an opportunity. Most people in the world see conflict as something to avoid, right? But you and I, We've been trained to the contrary. I have spent thousands of hours, real number, I did the math, thousands of hours over the past 12 years resolving conflict, which may sound dysfunctional to you, but that is to say that I've spent thousands of hours investing in relationships, that I've spent thousands of hours making disciples, that through conflict relationships can actually be strengthened if we approach it like the Word says and not like the world says. That conflict is an opportunity. An opportunity for what? For growth. For discipleship, to invest in relationships. And there was a series here, The Lord of the Rings. How many here were here? How many of you were here for that series, The Lord of the Rings series? Okay, some of you. And so it's been rebranded online as uh, Conflict, a Constant Opportunity. I encourage you to listen to it. But you think about when there's an explosion. When there's an explosion in the world, everybody is running from that explosion. If somebody says bomb, everybody's running from that bomb, except for the people who have been trained to deal with the explosion, to deal with the bomb. You are that person. We don't run from the conflict, but we're moving toward it with our instruction to apply, to deal with it in a godly way, right? What does it say? Ephesians 4, verse 3. Be diligent, that is to work hard at, preserving the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Matthew 5 says if you go and you leave your gift at the altar and you realize someone has something against you, you leave your gift there, you run and be reconciled to that person. Matthew 18, if someone has sinned against you, you go to them and you tell them. You talk to them about that. This is what this says. We don't peace fake. We don't fake peace. We don't break peace. As God's people, we, we make peace. Matthew 5 verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The fifth thing that I learned while serving Jesus here at Watermark, and it goes right with number four, is to reject gossip. So many people in the world invite gossip in. We want to be entertained by it. We watch shows that are rooted in the reality of gossip to try to find out what the buzz is and who's saying what about who. Maybe you've been through this transition. It's like, wow, I wonder what the real story is. I'm telling you the real story. It's one of God's incredible faithfulness from a church and a leadership that I love so much. And so we reject Gossip, a way that we heal from conflict or prevent it altogether, 
is to not tolerate gossip. And a way that I've seen God, the Holy Spirit, breathe health into this place is with something called the 24-hour rule. How many of you know the 24-hour rule? Raise your hand. Okay. All right. You're about to learn it, and we're about to get healthier in a moment. And so the 24-hour rule is, is simply that if someone comes up to you and says, Hey, did you hear this about so-and-so? Or, man, why did they? That you would just say, Hey, why are you talking to me about someone else? You need to go tell them. And so what I'd like to do is I'd love to give you 24 hours to do that. Or I can go with you if you haven't in 24 hours. We'll go together. But you need to tell them what you just told me. And you can imagine when I say that to other churches, you know, you're picking their jaw off the floor. Like, what we are going to do? You know, and I remember learning that. Like, I remember even we, we practiced this as a staff. It's like, hey, do you guys think we should move that person to that role? I remember sitting in the meeting and be like, no, don't do that because they're not organized and, you know, they're, they're often late. And I just don't think they have the skills that it takes to do that. Cool. Have you, um, have you told them that? Oh, not going to hurt. I don't want to. I just want to tear somebody. Okay, great. You have 24 hours. Oh, man, I was just kidding. No, they'll be great. They'll be great in that role. <laughs> yeah. And so we don't talk about people. We talk to people. Ephesians 4 verse 25 says, Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down. This is the 24-hour Boundary. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. See, what the 24-hour rule does is it makes gossip unsafe. It makes you unsafe for gossip, which is to say it makes you unsafe for evil, which is to say it makes you one step moving toward the righteousness of Christ. Proverbs 18, verse 8 and 26, verse 22 says, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts, right? They're like chocolate chip cookies. They taste good, right? But you can't live on them. They're unhealthy and you're going to wear them. The sixth thing I've learned while serving Jesus at Watermark is to minister through people, not to people. What we do as a staff is we train pastors. You're the pastors of this church. You start and lead the ministries of this church. You are the church. You don't go to church. You are the church. You don't like your church. You are the church, right? Some of my favorite pastors here at Watermark are not on staff with me, but they are leading ministries, right? Because we equip ministers. That's what we do as a staff. Let me show you from the scriptures, Ephesians 4 verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's funny what God uses to shift our lives in many ways in major ways I should say I went down there to Harris Creek I really was just like okay I'm, I'm going to look at this with the elders permission and blessing went and talked to them 
And coming back, you know, get back in the car, load the family up, head back to Dallas. I'm not going to do that. You know, I mean, why would I do that? The porch, you know, I mean, this is national ministry, watermark, the church leaders conference, all that God is doing here. I mean, I get to be a, a member of the greatest staff on the planet Earth. I mean, I believe all of these things work under the most incredible leadership. Why would I do that? My nine-year-old in the back seat again. <laughs> she just birthed. Daddy, of course you have to go pastor that church. I'm like, I'm driving, like why, would you, why would you say that? What are you talking about? And she said, I said, why, why? She said, because they don't have a pastor. And Watermark has lots of pastors. I said, I'm so sick of you. But she's right because I'm looking at thousands of pastors right now. It's why the best days are ahead of us. Because as you come and you contribute your gifts and your talents, the, the things that the Lord entrusted to you, as you walk through the good works, which he's prepared in advance for you to walk through, this place just gets healthier and God continues to work through this in amazing ways. Right, 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are the royal priesthood. A holy nation, a people belonging to God. The seventh thing I learned while serving Jesus here at Watermark is that authentic community is forged, not found. Authentic community is forged, not found. And serving on staff, I hear it all the time, man, you know what? We, yeah, I'm going to my group. We just don't click. You know, we're just, we, we have our friends and then we have our community and, and there's some people in the community, they're just not as, they're, they're not as, um, how do I say, spiritually mature as us. It kind of feels like we're dragging along. I don't know that they're committed. We're thinking about leaving, looking for another group. There's some folks there that are really needy. Everyone is looking for, everyone is looking for a great community group. But you don't find it, friends. You work for it. It's a lot of work. All relationships are a lot of work. And here's the secret. Everyone's community is hard. Like if you don't like your group, raise your hand. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that, okay? <laughs> I had to stop you because some of you are ready. Okay. Like, like let me just share with you, okay? Because I've been running with this group for 14 years. Let me, let me walk back, rewind, unwind the tape. 14 years ago, I walked into... Uh, a living room, and I met three guys. There were four guys there. Three of them were engineers. They all graduated from Texas A&M, and they, yeah, whoops, that's what I said. I was just like, what? <laughs> and and they, were like, they were like three clones of the same person. They all drove a white 92 Camry. Like, I don't know if you just get that when you graduate from A&M or what, but I'm just like, this is so confusing. And I didn't have anything in common. Like, I pulled up in the Jaguar, you know, and my wife, the pin, pinstripe suit and whatnot. And, and I'm just like, who are you? And I get, I'm like, I'm never going back to that, you know. And then the other guy was an attorney, and you can't trust attorneys. And so uh, I'm just thinking, like, I'm so out on this. And all I did, I kept going back, and, and then I would get in the car and say, I'm never going back. And then I'd go back again, and I'm like, I'm never going back. Really, for five years, I didn't like those guys. And, and now... Right, and now, 14 years later, I'm still running with those guys. Uh, 
I tell you they're my best friends, but that it's not weighty enough. They're my brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, God used them to make me the father I am, to, to save my marriage, to call me to vocational ministry. I mean, they've seen us in every season. One of them is like, you're going to Waco. We're going to Waco. Who does that? Like, they don't know anybody in Waco. They don't have family there. They're like, you're going to strengthen the church. We're, we're in on that. We'll go too. Like, who does that? Pray about it. I'm serious. Maybe. You. <laughs> you're not just looking for friends. You're not just looking for friends. You're forging toward something so much deeper, so much more real than just people you have fun with. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The eighth thing I learned while serving Christ at Watermark is that we reach the next 100. We live to reach the next 100. I must have heard Todd say it a hundred times. The most important people of this church are the next 100. The most important people of this church are, the, are those that haven't gotten here yet. The next 100 to walk through the door. And then I came on staff and I sat with the angry you know, uh, members of the body that said, Wait a minute, what about us? What about equipping the saints? Are we not important? And then you begin to read the scripture and it says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And then you turn to Acts 2, verse 47, and you see that God was adding to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And the church was growing, and the church was being strengthened. That if we're to be about Jesus, then we're about what Jesus is about, which is about reaching the lost. That's what we care about. We're looking to those that don't know him, and we're inviting them in. And that's a high priority to all of us. One of my most proud moments of being on staff here happened last week. A guy was at a gas station. A person came up and asked him if he had some spare change. They engaged in a conversation. And my friend said, let me ask you a question. Do you have a faith? And he said, why do people keep asking me that? <laughs> and then he goes, are you from Watermark? And so I leave you with that very powerful question. Do you have a faith? Ask it early. Ask it often. And if you love what God is doing here, you invite everyone you can into it. Because he's changing lives here. 1 Corinthians 9 verse 22 says, To the weak, Paul writes, To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And lastly, friends, the ninth thing I've learned while serving Christ at Watermark is to keep worshiping. This is all about Jesus. He's the one that died for our sins. He's the one that came back from the dead. He's the one whose spirit lives with us. 
you might think that worship is what we did before the message. That was worship through song, but worship is what you do with your life. In just a few minutes, I'm going to say for the last time, or Todd will say, have a great week of worship. I estimate that I've heard it over 500 times. I estimate that I've said it over three services over 200 times. Have a great week of worship. It's not just a cliche way to end the service. It's a vision for your life to live as sacrifices. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. This is your spiritual act of worship. What you do, not inside these walls, but really outside these walls. In addition to the way we worship corporately, that is your life of worship. This idea, it changed my life. It's interesting that in my interview for Watermark 12 years ago, they said, why should we hire you? I said, you'd be crazy to. I'm not going to sell you on why you should hire me. I I can tell you my story. In fact, all I know to do is to share my story. And you look uh, back on the past 12 years, and all I've done is shared my story. That's all I've really done here. Over and over and over. You guys have heard it. I stumbled in, hung over, sitting on the back row, smelling like smoke from the night before. Yada, yada, yada. Right? Sharing my story. But it was one specific story that the Lord used to capture my heart. I came into this place and Todd was up here preaching. And he told a story about a horse. A wild stallion. And he just said, you know, there was this horse and it just wanted to be free. And these local villagers and cowboys were trying to capture this horse, but the horse just wanted to be free. And in its, in its freedom, it had to hunt for food and, and find water and, and find protection from the elements, the, the rain and the scorching sun. And one day... Uh, cowboy successfully got a rope around the horse's neck, successfully captured the horse, and he took him home, and he loved him, and he cared for him, and he protected him, and he provided for him, and eventually he broke him. He was able to ride him, and when he would ride him, he would lead him to food. He would lead him to water. He would provide protection from the elements for him. And it was this line right here that the Lord used to open my heart. So it wasn't until he was fully submissive to his master that he truly experienced freedom for the first time. And that's what God has done here in my life. He's brought me to a place to realize that freedom comes through submission. That victory comes through surrender. And so I want you to know, I've not been to seminary when most people think of, or what most people think of seminary. But I've been here for 12 years. And what I've learned is, number one, to walk in the light, to avail yourself to the work of God, that the Bible is our blueprint, That every conflict is an opportunity to reject gossip, 
to minister through people, not to people. That authentic community is forged, not found. That we're to reach the next 100. And that we should keep worshiping. So thankful for you people. I'm so thankful for this place. And the seminary I've been to, it's Watermark. That's where I've been. That story that Todd told that day that the Lord opened my heart, I later found out it's a children's book. <laughs> Thunderhoof. So I bought it for him on his 50th birthday. And I wrote this. Todd, this is a story, my story, of which you play the most important role. On January 19, 2003, you told an abbreviated version, and my heart held on to it at the Lord's beckoning. Then on January 1st, 2006, nearly three years later, almost exactly, you invited me up to share parts of my story. Todd, you believed in me when you shouldn't have. Frankly, the Lord has blessed me through your faithfulness and obedience. From you, I've learned the important lessons of trust and obey. The Lord always knows even if no one else does. Pharaoh never misses his Joseph. Humility looks good on everyone. Don't go somewhere, be sent. And we are not truly free until we are fully submissive to our master and so much more. Todd, thank you so much for introducing me to my master. The Lord used you to tame this horse and he continues to use you to teach and instruct me. Dallas is better because of your faith in God. The kingdom is bigger because of God's work in and through you. I pray we run this race together until Jesus returns. Love. I love you, JP. Would you guys welcome up my friend and pastor for 16 years, Todd. This, uh, this is uh, not about JP this morning. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and his church. Seminary, as I've told you before, seminary comes from the root word seminal, which means seed. It means it's the beginning, and God has had us here. We say every week, this is a pastor's conference. Watermark is one church, four locations right now, thousands, uh, four campuses, thousands of locations, and everywhere you are, God's supposed to be growing in you, Jesus. That's what we love about our friend JP. Look, if he can take Danny Zuko, okay, and... And uh, where is that picture? Go ahead, put it up, Ryan. If we can take Danny Zuko, you know who that is? It's John Travolta in Greece. If you can take, if you can take him and make him a guy that we're like, man, I want to learn more of Jesus from him, then I hope you get a picture of what God wants to do in you. He said it again today, man, we're a kingdom of priests. That's the goal. And I know you're out there. That guy that's annoying you, that's blowing by you on 75, on his you know, crotch rocket and that you're frustrated by, 
that's your future pastor. And, and instead of being angry at him, okay, instead of being angry at him, you just wanna go, man, Lord, help me love him, help me be committed to if I get a chance to engage with him, to ask him about his faith. You know, what JP has done in 16 years here is he's brought the Bible into question. My Bible says that no student will be greater than his teacher. And I gotta tell you, I love watching the Spirit of God work in this. I mean, this is my true child of the faith. And um, I wanna pray for him. And, and he and I have prayed for you, and we're gonna keep praying for you. We're gonna pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ at Harris Creek. I could care less about Harris Creek. I could care less about Watermark. I care deeply about Jesus' church. And if Jesus' church is supposed to prevail every single place that it exists, it's gotta prevail here. It's gotta prevail in Harris Creek. This is who we are. We don't go to Watermark. We're the body of Christ who gathers here. And we have a great responsibility to one another. And when you avail yourself to what the Spirit of God does here, it produces something amazing and encouraging to many people. God gives you gifts here. And our job is to help you discover them, develop them, and deploy them for his glory. Look, I'm not happy about the fact that we don't get to do this right by each other anymore. But I've told him, I said, bro, just start heading north. I mean, when, when it grows to Waco, I mean, to, to Waxahachie, we'll grow south to Waxahachie, we'll be doing it again. And then hopefully it'll bounce that way and it'll go south towards the, you know, the South Pole and north towards the North Pole. We'll loop around, we'll meet again, you know, whatever's on the opposite side of the earth with just the church of Jesus expanding. That's the goal, man. And every single week we scatter from here, kingdom of priests, to make the church more of what it should be. So let's go, church. We want to just take a second and with you pray for this friend. Um, and I hope you're doing this every week in your community group. I hope every week when you guys get done as a community, you get before you get back in your white Camrys, I hope that you sit <laughs> and I hope you pray for each other as you scatter to start your church and your ministry this week until you gather again. But we want to pray for him now. And, and as my friends come on up here who, who serve with me, um, I, I just encourage you, just take a minute yourself. Pray for Jonathan and Monica. Pray for, um, pray for your community group. Pray that we'd be his church this week. Pray for friends you invited today. Pray for friends you're going to invite Christmas Eve, that they would have a faith and that their faith would produce Christ-likeness. Be still. Let's pray just quietly for a second. Father, we pray for the body of Christ that's gathered here today and for this young man in particular, that the things that he's heard in the presence of many witnesses, that he's he would trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. I pray that no one would look down on his youthfulness, but his speech, his conduct, his love, his faith, his purity would allow him to show himself an example among those who believe that he would give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation and to teaching, that he would be absorbed in these things and that his progress would be evident to all. I pray he'd pay careful attention to himself and his teaching so that he would ensure salvation both for himself and for those who hear. I thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness, for the way that he hasn't gone to church. He has been your faithful servant. He has listened to seminal truths. He has committed them to memory. He has developed the gifts you've given him. And I pray that he would kindle afresh those gifts 
and he'd be a good steward of them. I pray he would spur on thousands of people this morning that are watching what the Spirit of God can do in a man's life and go, I want more of that. I pray that 16 years from now, we'd have our hands on hundreds of them. And that more men and women in this body would just see the joy of walking with Jesus because they've seen the power of transformation that can happen. I pray for young men that are out there in college. I pray for students that are out there. I pray for 60-year-olds that wonder if God can change them. I pray that in 16 months and 16 years, they'd just be more like Jesus because they see the power of God at work. So, Father, bless our friend. May he constantly abide with you. May he keep going to class every day in your word, and may it spill out of him. When he's cut, would he bleed Bible? And would he bring glory to your son who bled for us? Father, we, with great joy, celebrate what you've been doing in Jonathan and Monica's life these last 16 years. Thank you for how you called just a lost, hurting, wandering soul. And you made him a son. And then you made him uh, a communicator, a pastor of your word to thousands. Thank you for the way he has stewarded his gifts, his passions, uh, his energy to see the lost be found uh, here at this local body. Thank you for uh, what a gift JP has been uh, to us. And Father, as we uh, celebrate him heading south a little bit, we pray for Harris Creek that you might prosper our brothers and sisters in Waco, that they might find themselves under JP's leadership, wanting to be uh, the church uh, more and more. Father, we uh, with joy release JP to Waco, that you would use his gifts and his talents and his, his heart for you in huge ways down there. I do pray that he would know well the condition of the flock that you were entrusting to him. I pray that you would surround him with godly leaders I pray for the hundreds of things that have to happen between uh, getting from Dallas to Waco, that you would go before them, that you would maintain oneness between he and Monica, that he would lead well as he has led well. Father, we thank you for this man. And I pray that um, as we look at JP and what you've done in his lives, that you would uh, challenge our hearts to be more of who you've called us to be, that we would seek you and work to abide with you daily as your spirit convicts us and encourages us and challenges us and makes us more like your son. Thank you for how well JP's modeled that for us here. We pray all these things in the name of your son who died for us, who conquered death in his name. Amen. Here and you don't know that king that we want to serve that way, would you please let us know how we can help you. I'm sure there's folks who invited you here that can help you. Man, but if you know him, have a great week of worship. God bless you guys. Let's go.